Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the authentic and determined Deborah Lee May. Based in Wisconsin, Deborah is a resiliency and reinvention mentor, fellow girl mama, and creator and host of Own Your Story video interview series. Her passion lies in drawing from her own life to help women honor and reframe their experiences and use them as a foundation to find renewed clarity, embrace their truth, and build meaningful relationships. I'm so happy to have her here today to share her story. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Kim. I'm so excited to be here. So Deborah and I met recently through an online course we did together. The first time we spoke one-on-one, I wish we had pressed record because it was such an amazing conversation. We just jumped right in and went deep, which I absolutely love. One of the things that stands out to me about that chat was your close relationships with your two daughters, who I think are in their 20s now, right? They are. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, how have they helped to shape who you are today? Oh my God, that's pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a really close relationship right now with my girls and I'm, I'm actually really proud of it. They live across the country. My oldest is 29, my youngest is 25 and they're in careers of their own and lives of their own. But what I love about our relationship is how much they support me. And I know that sounds a little contradictory to what like moms want. I want to support them too, but they've watched me go through like the depths, the worst of everything and come back out. And that's so important to me that they understand resiliency, that it doesn't matter what you've been through and that, you know, you can come out the other side feeling better. And now literally they're my biggest supporters and I'm so proud of where they are. So that's pretty much shaped everything is that I had to pull myself out of where I was for them. Oh, I can so relate to that. And I think it's a beautiful lesson that you've given them to show them the real stuff that you went through, right? I think they need to see the hard stuff to appreciate the good stuff we all do, right? And to see that you've picked yourself up and that you're such a strong woman today. And I love that they support you just as much as you support them. You've done a really good job, mama. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's been pretty amazing. And it's more than picking yourself up. I mean, I couldn't imagine that my life would be on this trajectory where I'd be meeting people like you all over the world and just really excited for everything. And, and then even on top of that being okay that they're so far away, knowing things just continue to get better. So yeah. thank you. So take us back to, because we all have those defining moments, right? Mm -hmm. That's what this podcast is all about, is going back to those defining experiences that we've had in our lives and reflecting on them and trying to learn from them, right? And recalling the path that has led us to where we are today. So can you take us back to your defining experience and, and tell us a bit about that? Well, definitely my biggest defining moment was quitting my corporate career to stay home with my little girls. And it's so funny because now I look back at that and it was just so much more than that. You know, there were so many reasons I quit and so many things that happened along the way. But like so many women, I know I'm not alone in this. It was a really hard transition going from 
corporate career and all that, you know, entails to staying home with two little girls. And they were, my oldest was like in about second grade at the time. And what I found is I didn't know anything about raising kids. I just knew how to love them. Oh, and by the way, that's enough. (laughs) You can love them and not know anything. But, you know, over the years, I had such a hard time that I really started digging into it. And there's just so much more that goes into that. It wasn't just coming home and having a hard time. It was feeling really uncomfortable because it was just a new thing for me. And I had always been in, I had always been really confident, really outgoing and really in control. And I say that because what I found over the years is that that control piece that I lost when I came home was really part of a trauma response from my childhood. Yeah. I grew up in so much chaos. You know, my parents were in a messy divorce. My mom was distraught. She couldn't get anything done at home. And I had so much empathy for her that I wanted to take care of her. And um, I just started helping her out and helping with the house and helping with the dishes and the food. And I was the youngest. So it was like an odd position to be in. And so people pleasing, I like to say, started when I was really young. And then there was all these sides. I feel like I was always in the perfect storm. My dad, there was so much anger Uh, that he was always screaming at my mom. And there was so much anger in my family. And I still see that anger in so many of my family members now. And so it was always me to pick up the pieces and to get everybody on, you know, the right track. And so what I did to compensate for that is as a really young child, I could see, I was really perceptive and I could see part of my mother's distraughtness was financial insecurity, I mean, it was just, it was this contrast between where we lived in this upper middle class conservative neighborhood, and she was struggling to get food on the table. And so having grown up differently and being left alone with three kids, I decided from a really young age that that was really important for me, financial security. And actually, by the time I was 14, I was working in a local restaurant. You could do that back then. And I started saving every penny. And then when I saw that, you know, this little bit I was making could make such a difference in my life, I would, you know, as a young girl, I wanted facial products. I wanted all those fun things that kids want. And so I used to, you know, buy my own things. And there was so much chaos in my house that I would hide it in my room. So from really young, I was just in complete control of my belongings, of my finances, of helping my mom, helping my dad, helping my family out. And so fast forward into a corporate career, I was like the perfect candidate. I was responsible, I was confident, and I was really driven for financial security. So I had all those things that control that I learned from, you know, living through this experience and once you have kids, <laughs> once you get married and have kids, you know, I usually don't have to tell other women, you know, a lot of that control falls out the window. It's like one way or the other. You can't do it all. And so there wasn't really one defining moment that made me quit my job. But I think it was more that I was so busy and that my husband, he was building his own business and I was working for someone else, but we were both so busy And I had these two little girls at home and I, like so many other women, I started losing sleep at night. I would wake up at midnight thinking to myself, like, oh my God, what are you doing? 
you're missing everything. So, you know, there was all these contributing factors, but staying home, I left and I stayed home with my kids thinking I'll always be able to go back. You know, here, it would be so easy to go back. But really what happened is I was so uncomfortable at home because of all the emotions that were so different for me. I had no idea how to raise kids, especially babies. And then I was uncomfortable with the women in the neighborhood just because I didn't know how to act. I felt uncomfortable with my old connections and friends from the office because I wasn't in that day-to-day stuff. And so the worse I started feeling about me, all of my relationships started to fall. I mean, people knew me as this confident, outgoing person. And the worse I felt, you know, you start retreating or I started retreating into myself and all my most prized relationships started kind of falling apart. And I like to say it was probably the first time in my life that I wasn't in control. I didn't know what to do. And then the other part of the perfect storm is my dad got cancer. My mom came down with something called hydrocephalus, which she went into early onset dementia. And so I was right back into people pleasing and taking care of my family, but without all the things that I had built around me to figure it out. And so it was, you know, it's just kind of a downward spiral. And then I kind of fell into a funk. You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. I wasn't feeling like myself. I felt like I lost my personality. I was stuck. I was overwhelmed. I felt numb. I used to call it the nothingness. And in telling you this story, I always like to stop and tell so other women know that you can feel really bad. You can go through these things and still do something really well. I mean, I put all my time and energy into my kids and they turned out great, but I was not in a good position. So I put all my time and energy into them and we got really close until they started growing up. And then they didn't want all my time and attention. They wanted to become independent young women. And so they started pushing me away. And I would say that was right around, you know, entering high school. So I went from a bad place to a worse place, knowing, like, how am I going to do this? (laughs) And this story kind of goes on until one morning I realized if I didn't figure out how to get out of this funk I was in, how how to remove the numbness, in 10 years, I would be in the exact same position. So many things are going through my mind right now that I want to ask you. I would say the first is I can totally relate to wanting to have that control and like holding onto it so tightly, right? Yes. And then when kids come in to the picture and challenge that, it's so hard, but it's so healthy to become aware of it and then to start to let go a little bit. And it's not like it's you snap your fingers and it's, and you're like, and I'm an easygoing gal now. That's not how it works. But that first step, which our kids are so great at showing us is the awareness of you're doing this. And then it makes you reflect on, well, why? And I love that you were able to connect it to the trauma that you experienced as a kid, because knowing that is the first step to figuring your shit out, right? Like it's the first, oh my step, God, to, yes. it's the first step to healing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing once you start to become aware and, you know, part of it is like, they'd see all these other moms who were having so much fun and they were so easygoing and, you know, you don't know how you're going to get there. How is this going to work for you? And 
the awareness of where I was and that it wasn't going to get better, that started driving me. Oh, and you know, I was embarrassed. Let's just be honest. I was embarrassed. I had this big, huge career and then I stayed home and I was embarrassed of what I'd become and how I felt about myself. And I was 100% sure that I'm not another woman alive would understand anything I had been through. So I was totally embarrassed by the whole thing until I started looking and searching for a solution. And I found out it wasn't only me. Yeah. You know, every woman goes through this in some, in some way, shape or form. I mean, everybody has different experiences, but we all go through the same emotions. You're not alone. Totally. And the thing is, when we try to put this bright, shiny image of ourselves out there, it doesn't serve us at all because then we know we're faking it and it doesn't allow other people to connect to us. And I'd love to hear about your experience. Like when you started to open up and share your struggles, how did that go for you? And did you receive support or like, I would assume that you were able to create some pretty great connections from allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Well, not that quickly, but what I did learn is what you said earlier is that I was spent years being who I thought everybody wanted me to be. And so you lose who you are. So you feel lost and you actually do. You've lost the core of who you are and what's always driven you. And even though I had to relearn some ways I had no idea who I was. I was living up to everyone's expectation and listening to everybody, what they thought I should do and what was right for me. And so what I found is when I started digging and I started taking courses and reading books and working with coaches is that I really had to find me again. And once I did that through things like journaling, to me, journaling is, you know, everything, but there's other ways too. I started feeling a shift in how I felt about myself. That was first. But when you start feeling that shift, you start noticing that other people start changing along with you. And I was so embarrassed. I'm going to tell you, I didn't tell anybody I was taking courses or working with coaches. It was like my little secret for many years. But as soon as I started seeing everybody else change around me and how they treated me, because you know, people treat you in the same manner you feel about yourself. Then I was just like the momentum started. And then I started taking courses like mad. So yeah, first of all, trust is everything. Trusting that how you feel is going to direct you to the right place. But to me, it's never a one and done. I mean, this stuff, you fix it, you get over it, you let it go, and then it comes up again. And so you have to do the same thing all over. And that's part of that momentum is that now I know some of these old thoughts and feelings will come up again, but now I know how to let them go. And now I know how to move forward. And that I trust the process that it it will happen for me. And it will be in my favor. So it's a beautiful shift. I think it was like that first time you realize that some of these really uncomfortable things you've been through can be healed. And you know, I, I almost hesitate to use that word because it's really just a change in energy and how you see things. And when you start feeling that the relationships of your life, you know, getting closer again, and you start thinking that, you know what, I realized that even though I felt so disconnected, say, from the other moms, that maybe they felt that way, too. You know, it's just suddenly it opens your eyes. I like to say it allows you to reimagine pretty much everything that you thought 
happen because when you start shifting your energy and people just start naturally changing around you, you can start reimagining what's possible in front of you. And now I remember what I was going to say, when things start shifting, you can also, it's just crazy, this awareness is that you start seeing some of those experiences that you went through that were so hard and so painful actually led you to this really great place. And that's absolutely the beauty of it all. You know, had I not quit my job, I wouldn't have gotten to spend 20 years with my kids. I mean, that's the biggest gift of my life that time. And so, of course, that was the big one. And there's a lot of little ones, but it's just that awareness of letting go and opening up and changing your energy and allowing things to be different. Yeah. And again, letting go of that control. Oh, so important. And what you said before in knowing that we're not alone, right? But we will never know that we're not alone unless we open up and let our, what we perceive as messiness or ugliness or whatever, which isn't that at all. It's just exactly who we are. Right. But (laughs) it's, you know, when we, when we open up, it just creates these beautiful connections that it's the good stuff in life, right? Those relationships, that's what we're here for. Right. Oh, you bet. You know, and it creates fun too, to just be vulnerable and let it out and people see you because then you find out, oh, I really wasn't that different. And the only way to create closeness and connection is by being real. And, and women, I'm just going to say the collective women, it's so hard to not feel you have to live up to the expectations of what you think other people want you to be. You're enough just the way you are. You don't have to change anything. That's what will magnetize other people to you when you're the most real the most you, you can be just, Oh, yes. Something you said before is sticking with me. Um, you said there was a shift when your daughters got into high school where you went from this stage, which I totally can relate to of them needing you so much. And then you started to see the shift of more independence, which is actually a really beautiful thing. So I'm there right now, right? So I'm selfishly asking this question as to how you manage that, because while I do see that independence happening, I actually love it. I absolutely love seeing their independence, their maturity, their wisdom. But yeah, there is that little bit of an ache, isn't there? That it's like things are changing. So I'd love to hear your experience about that phase in your life. Well, first of all, I love that you love seeing their independence and who they're becoming, because that's what I love now. But it took me a while to get there because they were just my everything. When they started becoming independent, it was more of a like a fear. What is my purpose now? What am I going to do now? And so what I found myself doing was a lot more people pleasing. Do you want to go out to lunch? Do you want to do this? Trying to make them happy. And the more I tried to make them happy, the more they pushed me away. So what I found was that when I started working on me, when I started becoming stronger on who I was, it was less of micromanaging them to seeing them grow into these, you know, beautiful adult women with minds of their own who have dreams And then when I got to become more into a supportive role and so happy for them, but more than that, 
when I started becoming happier for me, when I started being driven in what was important for me, suddenly they wanted to be with me again. And then it was fun again. It wasn't just all about them. It was a relationship. Yeah. And when they go off to college, are your kids in college? No, I have uh, high school and almost high school. (laughs) I mean, it's so amazing seeing the growth And I feel like so many things come back around because, you know, I'm not going to say they wanted me all all the time in college, but they wanted me differently. And now we're so close again. And I love their independence. I'm so proud of them. And I don't feel this ache that why aren't you here? I miss them because I love them but not that achiness that you feel when you just need to be apart because now I have my own life. And that's the beauty of just kind of the beauty of finding yourself again. Oh my gosh. I love what you just said. That is the beauty in it. And I'm in the middle of that right now for the last few years. So I can, I I totally appreciate that awakening that happens when we go from that intense phase of parenting little ones to the room to figure out who we are as women, you know, what we want to explore and who we want to become in that next phase when they're exploring their independence. And we also can explore that newfound independence as moms of teens and beyond, right? Yes. You know, it's funny because I still call it separation anxiety. You know, part of that is just normal separation, like when they were kids, you know? So like part of at the end of high school, there's a little disruption because there's going to be separation. You know, you're going apart. But the other part of that is that they see that it doesn't matter how old you are, that you can still have this excitement and this drive for life. And it almost gives them permission to be all that they can be. You know, when you're holding back, they feel like maybe they need to hold back. But when you don't, you become fully you. I mean, they now have permission to be who they are. They don't have to please me. They don't have to do what I thought was right for them. I want them to do what they think is right for them. And just growing up, maybe that wasn't the message I got from my parents, that this is the way our family does things, you know? Absolutely. You know, that gift that you've given your girls is that, like you said, that permission to be exactly who they want to be and not who we want them to be. Because like you said, we didn't grow up that way. Yeah. We were supposed to follow the rules and I want them to not only be who they are, but I want a close relationship with them. Yeah. You know, I want to be close, but I want it on everybody's terms, not just mine. Yes. And I want that for my three girls as well. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. So this journey of yours to this beautiful authenticity that I so feel from you has not been easy. It never is. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But I know that a particularly challenging part for you was putting your real self on social media. I can totally relate to that. You don't want to offend people, right? That's like your first thought is you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to alienate people. But once we do accept ourselves and we can't have it any other way other than putting our truth out there, it is so freeing. So tell me how that journey went for you from the challenge to the acceptance. Painful. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was so painful. And so I am chock full of getting over and continuing to get over imposter syndrome because that is hard. I spent 20 more or more years hiding. So now coming out of hiding to become who I am and putting it out there on social media so other women can hear my story is really a difficult thing. So funny story is I started taking these courses and they said, write a blog, put it on Facebook. And I was like, there is no way I'm going to do that. So finally, I closed one of my Facebooks where I had all my old high school friends and all the people I knew. And I started a new one called Deborah Lee, which is my first and middle name. And so I hid for a few years under, um, not a fake name, but you know, a different name. And so I was able to start posting blogs. And I got comfortable with it until all those old people started finding me. Oh, do you have another Facebook? And so it's funny because as soon as they started finding me, I had a harder time putting myself out there. And I had to get over the same things again. And I realized that this imposter syndrome was so ingrained and all full of hiding and who you are and all that stuff that over the years, I'd actually become the person I was trying to become. You know, I left one social media platform feeling horrible and trying to find a way out and never even, you know, I was nervous to literally nervous to like posts because I didn't want anybody to see me to fast forward the years to posting my thoughts and my feelings and, you know, all of those things and posts online that, you know, it was that healing process of coming from down and out to just feeling empowered and inspired and wanting to serve. And it's just such a different thing. And so recently I went back from my first and middle name and I've added my full name and um, nobody noticed, which is really funny because I spent 10 years hiding and not one person noticed. And uh, so that was fun, but I still have a hard time getting over it. I think it's what I said earlier. It's like, it's never a one and done. You get to the next level and you find it's new level, new devil. You know, okay, I've gotten to this point, but that same old imposter, that's those same things that I've been fighting for so long are coming up again. So I have to find a way to release it again, to let it go, you know, whatever it is, journaling, taking a walk, forgiveness, whatever, and then get back to it and start to become, reinvent, reclaim who you've always been and move to that next level. I think what I'd like to leave people with is that it's so possible. You know, women think, well, I couldn't get from here to there. And I like to be like kind of their role model. I mean, I was down and out and not leaving the house for years to putting my thoughts and feelings online of things I wouldn't have said to anyone years ago. And the discomfort you feel along the way, the discomfort that I know I've just written something of my truth, and I know that maybe it will serve one person, to me, that discomfort is telling me, well, you need to do it. That discomfort helps you grow. You realize it's showing you something. It's redirecting you. It's saying you're on the right path versus holding you back. And that's kind of the beauty of everything we've been talking about is the awareness and how much more there is ahead of you. 
that you couldn't see when you're kind of in the muck of it all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that you talked about that discomfort as like a guide, right? And I always feel like when I experience that feeling, that's when I know I need to push, you know, like when you butt up against that discomfort, it's like, oh, okay. Now I need to push through that to get to the good stuff. Yeah. So do you feel like it happens less frequently, that feeling like that imposter syndrome? Does it get easier for you every time you come up against it now? Well, I think what I want to add is that in the olden days, when I came up against it, I would mask it. There's a thousand ways we can mask feelings and push them away. But now I force myself to feel it. So to answer your question, do I feel it less? I don't know if I actually feel things less. I know if I sit with it for a minute, if I sit with those feelings, I can get through it versus trying to push it out of my mind and then it will come back. And so I also know that I honestly don't think it happens less, but I know that it's leading me somewhere better. Mm. That's how. Yeah. I love that. So tell me, what is the life lesson that you have gained along the way that you'd like to share with other women to inspire them? I think it's that women think that sometimes that in the collective women that, you know, this has happened to me. And because this happened to me, this is who I am. And you can shift that and you can say, because that happened to me, I am now so much smarter, stronger, much better equipped to go into the future. And so to put that in a sentence, wherever you've been, however old you are, whatever it is, there's always more. You know, there's always something good and there's always something better. There's always more on the other side. And that's the lesson of resiliency that I've learned along the way. I love it. So tell me, what is next for you? What excites you about the future? What excites me about the future is growing more of who I am in terms of my writing. And I've reimagined, I feel like that's my word this year. I have reimagined so many things that are possible and to reach a larger audience of women that I can serve. I feel like my pain of my past was so deep that, you know, wherever you are in the spectrum, I would like to connect with you and help show you there is a path and that it's easier than you may think. Hmm. So are you ready for the final five? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) So these are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, gosh, I know this one. And it sounds um, really kind of silly. But I think families are so important. Family relationships are so important. I wish, you know, I could like sprinkle a little dust and help heal people's families because, you know, people live with that resentment and anger for years, for a lifetime, and it does end. And so my superpower would be to help people reconnect in a loving way. Mm, I love that. When you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? 
I thought I would be, <laughs> I was really um, impressioned by the movie Nine to Five with Valley Parton. <laughs> I love that movie. I, I my age. Yeah, it's a great movie. And um, I wanted to work a big corporate career and re- wear really great suits and heels. And I wanted to run the office. I mean, it was simple. I didn't know what any of that meant back then, but that's what I thought I'd do. And when that was cut off is when everything else changed, as you well know. (laughs) In a good way, as it turns out. Yes. If it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? Oh, Kim, I'm really kind of boring. And so my family always tells me how boring I am, but I make roasted vegetables every single day with some kind of different variation. But the variation I would do on the last day is I'd add a whole lot of salt. (laughs) Okay, that is a first for what led her here. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I love I love roasted veggies, so I'm all for that. I don't know if it'd be my first choice on my last day, but <laughs> it is okay. certainly yummy. Maybe I should change that to a chocolate covered marshmallow, which I haven't had in like 20 years. That sounds good. <laughs> Both of them. Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? I was recently asked this on a panel I was on and a few years ago, I worked at this, I volunteered at this place called Sojourner Truth House and it's a home for women fleeing domestic violence. And we had to learn the story of Sojourner Truth. And it was such an amazing story. When she became free, she changed laws for women. I've always been really inspired by her story and her bravery and her courage and that her legacy still lives on Hmm. and, you know, it just goes to show it doesn't matter what you've been through. There's always more. Beautiful. And last but not least, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote, which I probably use every day is every detour leads to something better. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you opening up and sharing your beautiful story with us. Kim, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed talking with you and just thank you for everything. 